You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I'd like to lead into this with starting a business or a ministry or an organization. If you were to do that, you have to have a plan. It's the same with our life. But let's stick with that. You have to have a plan. And of that plan, there are three things that you need for the plan. You need a mission, a vision, and you need values. The mission, it's your purpose. It's why you exist. Your vision is your goal. It's the direction you're headed. It's what you see at the end. And your values, often called core values, it's a list of standards and principles. It's the way you operate. So these three things exist in business, but they also exist in the Christian life. Because we all have a purpose. I go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, where you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. With all you have, you're here to serve God. For your vision. I would go to the second great commandment that Jesus added on to that. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. And for your values, 1 Corinthians 13, love. Not the touchy-feely love, not the emotional stuff, not the buddy-buddy love, but unconditional love. Understand what that really is. It's actually valuing the people around you. King James calls it charity. Makes a lot of sense. Giving. But as a believer, there's one fourth, there's a fourth element. And it's the call of God. It's the what, the when, and the where of these previous three. The first three are quite easy to grasp. Your mission is to live for God. Your vision is to serve and stay humble. And your values, I would say, is what would Jesus do? Kind of puts that all in perspective. But the call is something that needs to be discerned. And when we discern it, we're not always accepting of the call. So today's message is about being content in the commonness of God's call. Last month, I was ordained as Pastor Ben mentioned. But I have to give honor to where honor is due. It's been a five-year process. But I wouldn't be standing here or anywhere. I wouldn't be ordained or licensed or certified if it wasn't for Ben Bay. That's where the real honor is due for me because he's the one who opened his pulpit to me. And not just to me, he is a special guy <laughs> in many ways. <clears throat> but he does, not, he does not grasp this pulpit and not let anybody in. He's not intimidated by other speakers. He gives other people a chance. And he gave me a chance. And I'm forever grateful to that. But some might say, well, I'd like to be in ministry too. Rocky got an open door that I won't get. 
Well, Rocky got a lot of open doors. He got a lot of boosts. I've been lifted up by a lot of people in my life. So have you. Just living in this country gives us an exponential boost above all the rest of the world. We have all been given some kind of an open door that others haven't had. But yet, regardless of what level we're on, no matter how much financial we've, uh, level we've gained or how much power that we have or authority over people, we still have a tendency to look up at others and say, why do they have that? Why can they do that? And I can't. It's human nature to look at other people and compare and be discontent with where we are. In fact, I'm wondering how many of you might compare yourself to other people. How many of you might be discontent in some way with your life? Now, I'm going to ask you to respond, but don't respond until I give you the clear understanding. If you compare yourselves to others, or if you are ever discontent with where you are in life, I want you to just remain seated and don't raise your hand. I thought so. Every one of you. Well, I may have been ordained in a ministry... But all of you have been ordained by God. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of the righteous are ordered. They are placed and ordered by the Lord. So have you heard his call? Have you responded to his call? Are you content with what he's called you to? Turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is written by a man named Asaph, who was a worship leader in the temple. Asaph wrote about ten of the Psalms, and they tend to lament. He, they tend, he tends to see an injustice and wonders why. And here he sees the injustice of those who have been unjustly favored over him. And a little explanation of the Psalms, if you're not familiar with how to read them. I'm going to skip over a little bit of the parallelism because the Psalms quite often repeat things in a little bit reverse order or a different order. They also are separated oftentimes by transitions. And if you miss the transitions, you might miss the message. So I'm going to point those out to you. And Asaph begins with the end in mind, which is always a good way to start any talk or any presentation to tell the people what you're going to tell them. And then you tell them, and at the end you summarize what you told them. He does this. He lays this out really well in this psalm. He begins by saying, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And he transitions into this. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud. And you could place in there the sinful, the rich, the favored. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. They don't have troubles like other people. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace. These fat cats, not King James here, these fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. 
They scoff and speak only evil. They boast against the very heavens. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches just multiply. Then he looks at himself here. Did I, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Then he speaks toward God. If I had really spoken that way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary, God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. In an instant, they are destroyed. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. And then he gets it. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my life. He is mine forever. And then he concludes. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. About six weeks ago, I woke up on a Saturday morning, which I would recommend everybody does. It was about 5.30, actually not as early as I usually get up. But I sat down in a chair, had a cup of coffee, flipped on the tube, not TV, we watch YouTube, we choose to watch what we want to watch. And I saw one of those icons on there that was animated, meaning it was a live stream. So I clicked on it, oh yeah, it's the ordination of King Charles. And I watched this gold carriage come out of a couple of doors. It goes down the street, there's thousands of onlookers, and inside this carriage, it's glass, and you can see who's in there, and it looked literally like two taxidermied figures, not moving, not smiling, no expression. Then one of the heads rotated slightly to the right, and then a swollen hand came up along with the head, and it rotated back and forth. I guess that's a wave. And then it went back down. A couple times that happened. Made it all the way to the cathedral. And this was the king, of course. And he was given a robe and a crown and a scepter, sat down in the royal chair, 
pretty cool. It was all carved. I thought, looks like a bunch of school kids carved this thing. Truth is, they didn't watch over it for like in the 1800s, and some school kids got in and carved their names all. It was pretty funny. I was right. Anyways, he goes through all this stuff. Still never cracks a smile. I said, I can do that job. Look at this face. I'm comparing myself to the king now. Why not? Why does he get to do that? I'd do a better job. Then a couple days later, I get ordained. And I compare a little bit, like because there is some, not such pomp and circumstance, but there's ceremony to it. And it's giving honor to people who have achieved this title, so to speak. But ordination is an official designation in ministry. But it applies in a practical sense to every one of you. And also, back to King Charles, we are also royalty. Because you and I are children of the King of Kings. We are all ordained because God has placed our steps in order. But we're not always content with what God has called us to. I was taught that weekend that ordination is a commitment that you and I will be content in the commonness of God's call. There perhaps are many steps, but I've come up with three steps to be what I call commonly content. Step number one is to foster an eternal mindset. Foster is to create and sustain and nurture. Foster an eternal mindset. Colossians 3, Paul says, set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Because souls matter. Your own personal soul matters. The souls of your family matter. The souls of your friends and your neighbors matter. And even the souls of your adversaries matter. Jesus says, don't lay up your treasures on earth, but lay up your treasures in heaven. Because on earth they're just going to be stolen, destroyed, decomposed. But yet, we don't get that in America. Every Tuesday morning when I drive to work, I have a hard time stopping the car because I see a lot of really good stuff sitting out there for the trash man. It's too much work to bring in the goodwill now. Let's just put it out on the, on the curb. We got so much stuff that we got to rent space to put more stuff. But ask yourself, are you making deposits in God's forever 401k or are you just living life to the fullest? Are you investing God's time and God's resources because it all belongs to him anyway? Or are you just consuming and spending those resources? Paul says this in Philippians 3.18. Many live as enemies of the cross. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. An eternal mindset understands that. It recognizes the fleeting, the fleeting nature 
of this life. James put it this way, your life is but a vapor. It exists for a time and then disappears. We know what that is in the fall when we talk and that little vapor comes out and dissipates. That's what our life is. An eternal mindset seeks a deeper understanding of God's eternal purpose. It prioritizes heavenly values. It seeks God's desire above all else. And it lives with confidence and assurance of that eternal destiny. A man named Jim Elliot, Jim Elliot knew that full well. Jim Elliot, along with Nate Saint, who was a jungle pilot, and three others, committed their lives to hearing the call of God to South America, to the Aka Indians of Ecuador. They trained for a number of years to learn the language and the culture and many other things. And then one day they finally made it into the jungle. And they were able to land this little single-engine plane onto a sandbar along the river. Two hours later, after making contact with those Indians, they were killed. Their family members didn't give up, but continued that call and that ministry and eventually reached those people. And many of them came to Christ because of that. Jim Elliot is famous for this quote, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Step number two, follow God's call. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways follow him, and he will direct your paths. It's the go-to verse for so many things in our life and in the Bible. If you ever decide to get a tattoo, if you haven't yet, I suggest you start with this one tattooed on the inside of your eyelid so that you never lose it. And it brings you back to the Word of God, the guidebook, the operation manual for your life, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And then know that God has a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 29, he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He is speaking to his children in Israel who were actually were held captive. And he was promising them, you're only here for a time, and I know the date of your release. And I have a plan for you in place. We are also his children. He also has a plan for you and me in place. And if you want to know what God's plan is, go back to my previous point, the word. Start there. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Yes, we got stuff to do. And we need to know where God has placed us. Because that's where the stuff to do begins. 
You won't necessarily have to stay there. It's not wrong to desire to go somewhere else. But while you're there, he's got stuff for you and me to do. And maybe you're there to affect the lives of other people. Or maybe you're there for the other people to affect your life. How many of us would love to work in a place that is completely Christian people? To see people, oh yeah, see people reading their Bibles, people praying. Wouldn't that be awesome? What happens to the dark place that you leave? Who's going to be the salt and the light to those people? You see, we don't all necessarily need to hear the call of God because he's already got us where he wants us. Following God's call requires surrendering our will. It requires submitting to the Holy Spirit's lead. It requires embracing His purpose for our life. And when you align yourself with God's call, you participate in His plan. You receive an early dividend for that eternal inheritance or reward. Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany. And when the war broke out and Hitler became really powerful, he knew that his days were numbered and he did a quick escape to the United States. But he was only here for a few weeks. And he became convicted and he felt the call of God taking him back. And he was there and he led Bible studies he worked with the underground. He even worked to unseat Hitler. But he was executed. Mother Teresa gave up a normal life and invested her time with the sick and the dying people of Calcutta, India. Thousands and thousands of missionaries have done the same thing. They've given up their easy life here in America to live a difficult life and sometimes even die in a foreign land. And this morning we recognize a group of people from this church who have heard the call and they are responding to the Dominican Republic. Step number one, foster an eternal mindset. Step number two, follow God's call. Step number three, Forego, forget, forbid, for gosh sakes, comparing yourself to other people. Psalm 139, for you were created, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You and I are already a handcrafted, one-of-a-kind version signed by the author. If we go back to Ephesians 2, verse 10, we read that in the New Living Translation. It says, for we are his masterpiece. Don't compare yourself to others. Philippians 2, 3, 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We learned that during COVID, when we had all the mask hysteria and other things going on that bothered so many people. And this was one of the key verses that popped up on the internet and in this church and studies that I did. Value other people more than yourself. When you do that, you won't be tempted to envy them. And you won't be as discontented in yourself. And then focus on your own journey. Embrace your unique purpose. Delight in God's plan for your life. In Psalm 37, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's true. It works. When you start seeking those things that God has for you and that God wants, the things that he really loves and is blessed by, and you start doing those, you start being blessed. The desire of your heart has become his. David Livingston understand that, stood that. Dr. David Livingston. The famous Dr. Livingston, I presume, when Andy, and, and, uh, not Andy Stanley, um, Henry Morton Stanley, was sent to Africa to find what happened to David Livingston. David Livingston and his brother John successfully went through medical college and were both doctors. John went on to develop his practice, and he did very well. David said, I'm going to put that on hold because God is calling me to Africa. And he went. And down there he saw the atrocity of the slave trade. And he decided that he was going to do everything he could to stop it. He thought by discovering pathways into the interior that he could allow the people of Africa now to sell their goods to the coast instead of it took time for that to happen, but eventually it did. But David Livingston suffered many trials in his, in his explorations there. And on one of his trips back to Britain, he met with his brother, and his brother John said, David, give that up. Look at me. I'm a successful doctor. You could be a successful doctor, too, if you give that up and just go back to medicine. David said, no, that's not where God called me. I'm called to the people of Africa. And he went back. And this time, he died. It is said that he was the key figure of turning around the slave trade in his efforts. And there's a British journal of people from the Commonwealth and their legacies and what they accomplished. Both those Livingstons are in there. And if you read under David Livingston's name, you'll see several pages of the things that he accomplished and his legacy. And if you read under John Livingston's name, you'll see it says, brother to David Livingston. The three keys to being commonly content. Foster an eternal mindset. Follow God's call. And forego comparing yourself 
to others. I have a final object lesson here I'd like to share with you. At the district council, network council they call it now, we, I say we because I consider Pam and I to be the ministry, not just me. <clears throat> so we had to go at 11 o'clock and go through the ordination rehearsal. And then at noon, there was a luncheon. I walked into the room that was perhaps as big as this one, staged this big. And on that stage were these water pitchers and wash basins. There were 19 of them because there were 19 ordination candidates. I didn't know that. I just knew there was a whole bunch of them. There was big ones, small ones, really beautiful, ornate ones, really painted, gaudy ones, just plain ugly ones, plain ones. There was a broken one. And I immediately analyzed everything. I walked in and I went, whoa, this guy really takes his props seriously. It must be the semi-truck out front that hauled all these things. Imagine all the bubble wrap to pack these things. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to wash feet. I'll wash your car, even though I don't like doing that. I'll wash your dirty fish aquarium. <laughs> but don't make me wash feet. I'm sorry, I just haven't arrived there yet. I'm still a work in progress. I hope you can forgive me for that. But that wasn't the case. It was Brooks McElhaney, if you know him. I cannot do justice to the message. It was really, really a hard-hitting message. Loved it. But the points were this. In ministry, speaking to us guys, us folks, accept God's call. Be content. And don't compare yourselves with others. Because we were given one of these. We all drew numbers. I drew the perfect number, number seven. So I guess this is my perfect base. Kind of a plain white with a red dealy bob on the other side. And that was ours. Not to look around and say, boy, I wish I got that one, or I hope I get this one. It's our base. Don't, be com don't compare it. And don't complain, because I've got this. It's not maybe what I wanted. Where am I going to put this thing? Don't wonder why we are given this to keep it. Because I'm thinking people are going to come over to our house now because we got this thing kind of sitting on a shelf and it just doesn't match anything. It's just there. People are going to come over to our house and say, well, you have, a, you have a really beautiful house here and a big white base. But we are called to keep that base. Back to Asaph in Psalm 73. This is the Rocky Nichols message version. I see the ungodly travel on cruise ships, eat the best food, entertained, having fun, while I work my days in God's temple. They get all the good stuff. And God gives me a t-shirt. It's God's t-shirt. It's precious to him. And he gave it to me to wear it. It's God's vase. It's precious to him. 
and he wants me to keep it. What vase has he given you? Has he given you a job in a place that's difficult and you don't want to be there? Has he given you a place in society where you live and you don't want to live there? Has he given you a family situation that is difficult and you wonder why you have to live through that? Because it's God's face. He's called you to care for it. Worship team, if you could come. Every person in this room has a divine call. There is a divine call on your life. The first one is a call to him, to salvation, to be saved, to become born again. If you've never answered that call, this morning would be a perfect time to respond. In a few moments, I'm going to pray and there'll be some prayer partners up front here. And if you come for no other reason, come for that. Specifically, come for that. And just mention to those people, I'm responding to God's call for salvation and they will walk you through it. There's another call and it's the call that we have to glorify God with our life. And there's a call to serve our fellow mankind. Certainly there may be a specific or a particular or an extraordinary call that you may have received to ministry. You may have received to your career or some type of vocation or perhaps a family situation. It's unique to who you are. It's a portrait of you. But there's a common call that we all have. It's the same call that comes to you and the person to your right or your left or in front of you or behind you. It's the exact same call. It's a call to love to value, to invest in the people who God has positioned around you. Have you heard that? Have you or will you respond? And will you accept those people God has assigned to you. Because if you do, I can promise you there is no greater satisfaction than to find yourself being content in the commonness of God's call. Bow your heads, please.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for another moment this morning. God, I thank you for giving me this opportunity, for showing me favor to be the one to deliver this message. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us to salvation, to be part of your family. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to so many really simple things that don't take a lot of training. They just take obedience. And Lord, I thank you that you've called us to some special things that do require the extra effort. And you give us the strength and the ability to follow through. This morning I ask for those seated here. I know, Lord, that you've made your presence known. I trust, Lord, that you've spoken to every heart. And now, Lord, I pray that you change every life, my life included, from this moment on. Lord, speak to us where you would place us. For those who are having difficulty hearing, increase the volume. Make those opportunities known. And give each one of us the unction to obey and to follow. And bless us with the contentedness and just the common things that you provide for us day after day. In all this, Lord, may you be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. And as you see, our prayer partners as they come to the front. If you've not responded to God's call or even heard it, make your way up here and have them pray with you. And if you haven't received, if you haven't become part of the family of God, you also come along and have these people pray for you as the music plays. In one of Paul's very last letters in Scripture, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have ran the race that Christ has marked out for me. And we often think of those words that he said that I've been faithful, I've been true, and, and, and that is evident. But right before he says that, that I've fought the good fight, I've ran the race, he says, for I know that I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And so as we wrap up, uh, there's this thing that God has been putting on my heart uh, the past maybe year or so, uh, I think since my sabbatical around stewardship. God has given us the people, the resources, the everything that we have to use for his glory. And so as we think of being poured out like an offering for God, walking this race, living out this call, like Pastor Rocky talked about, what are you filled up with? How are you leveraging these relationships you have? How are you maximizing your profits if we, if we view it in that sense, almost like the parable of the talents. And we can only pour out what's what we put in. And so as we close this morning, let's just close our eyes. 
And let's do an assessment and let's look within. Let's think of the relationships we have for a moment and think of the people that God has put around you, the people in your circle of influence. And it's so easy for us to just think of our family and stop there, but let's think of the people at the places we frequent. Let's think of the coworkers we have. Let's think of our, our actual literal neighbor that sometimes we think of loving our neighbor as some obscure thing, but we don't actually think of loving the people who live only mere, mere feet from us. How are we being good stewards and living out the call with those that God has put in our circle of influence. Just think about that for a moment. Let's think for a second, maybe our talent and our time that we talked about earlier, that God has given us skills and vocations and jobs to use for his glory. How are we using our gifts that he has given us? whether it's here at church, whether it's at our work, whether it's somewhere else. Lord, everything that I've learned, every gift that I have is a tool and a utility belt for your glory. Let me not, let me not hold on to them in vain. Let's think of our time. Are we idle with our time? Are we busybodies? Let's examine our heart. And not just doing ministry here at church, let's not look at our time that way, but let's look at how we are living our lives and our time for God and his glory. How are we making the world a better place? How are we bringing the kingdom of God to earth? Lord, we just thank you that you've given us everything that we have, that that's what stewardship is, realizing that we are nothing in and of and of ourselves but everything that we have is a gift from you. Our relationships, our time, our gift, our personality. Lord, this church, it's a gift from you, Lord. Let us not bury those things. Let us not squander those things. Let us maximize those things, Lord, because we know that we are being poured out. So fill us up with your presence. Fill us up with your goodness, Lord. Help us to fill ourselves up, Lord, to overflowing as well, so that we can make maximum impact. Lord, that you are filling us up to pour us out because we know that the grass is greener where we water it. So, Lord, let us not look at our neighbor. Let us not look at some other person and think, man, if I only had the gifts that they had, if I only had the resources they had, if I only had the vocation if, that they had, Lord, but you are calling us where we are for a reason. So let us be faithful. Just as you were faithful, even unto death, let us be faithful back to you. Taking up our crosses and following after you. Being salt and light to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And we know that as we do, that as we go, as we leave this place, as we walk out this call, run this race, fight this good fight, we know that you will go before us, behind us and all around us every single step of the way. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor because you deserve it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You guys can go on the grace of God. Thank you, Pastor Rocky, for sharing with us. And we look forward to seeing you next week.
Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.